at the beach, and um, man, we had a, a great time before we, uh, uh, as we were there, we were on vacation. One, one of the days, I was, we were in southern South Carolina, and I, I went into this little hole-in-the-wall restaurant on St. Helena's Island. Anybody in the room ever been to St. Helena's Island? Anybody? Anybody on purpose? All right. Man, I am the only one. All right. And there's this little restaurant that I had researched, and it was called MJ's Soul Food. And it was a hole in the wall. And I was so excited about going there. So Friday afternoon, a week ago, I went by myself in the middle of the afternoon, went down, sat down at the counter. I uh, was the only person in there except this other guy about two, three seats away from me. And I sat down. I said, just bring me like the house special. And so they were back there fixing this hamburger and these onion rings and collard greens. And man, it sounds so good, doesn't it? And so they, they fixed me this great meal. But as we were sitting there, as I was sitting there, this guy started up this conversation with me. I promise. He started it with me. Usually it's the other way around. He started the conversation with me and asked me where I was staying. And I told him where. And we started this conversation. He started telling me all these things about his life and growing up on the island. And he's a businessman. And, and he, he taught me new vocabulary. He had some very colorful language really quickly into the conversation. And, and I'm sitting there, and we're having all this conversation. He asked me where I was from. I said, Lexington. He said, North Carolina. I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, barbecue, right? That's where the conversation goes. It goes to barbecue. And I said, I'll tell you what. Here's my name uh, and my phone number. I'm going to put it on the back of my card, and I slid it to him. Because here's the deal. If I slide in the front of the business card, and it says, Pastor, the conversation changes, Right? It gets really awkward, especially with his vocabulary. It just changes. And so I kind of wanted to go undercover. So I wrote my name on the back of it, put my cell phone number, slid it over there to him. He put it in his pocket. He didn't look at, look at it. I thought, sweet, my cover's not blown, all right? So we're sitting there. I'm eating my meal, and he gets ready to go. He'd been there before me. He walks over to the register. And at that point, I got him out of the corner of my eye. I could tell he grabbed his wallet, so I'm guessing he grabbed the business card. Yeah. He grabs a business card, I'm guessing, because I know he grabbed it. Because as he got to the door, which is about 15 feet away from me, he said, Have a blessed day, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, he went from one extreme to the other with the flip of a business card. And, and I, no kidding, when he flipped that card and when he said that to me, I thought of what we've been talking about all summer long. What pattern did I just set for him? What example did I just set for him? Thankfully, I didn't get involved in some of the conversation. I stayed as clear as I could away. Um, I didn't learn his vocabulary. I stayed away from that. But all summer, if you're new with us, we've been examining two questions. What pattern am I following? What pattern am I displaying? And every single one of us have numerous opportunities where without us knowing it, without us realizing it, we're stepping into situations where somebody I even challenged my nine-year-old this week in a setting that she was in. I said, these two young ladies are watching you. You're setting a pattern. And so we've been examining through studying God's word, through how do we have gospel conversations, how do we approach different groups, all these things. And, and Matt had two really difficult uh, topics to discuss as I was out of town. But I can't think of two more important questions that we need to be geared up and ready to answer right now in our culture. What pattern am I setting? What pattern am I following? Because we all know that this world right now is so full of division. I don't have to go into it. I don't have to give you illustrations. 
But as a follower of Jesus Christ, as I was thinking about this morning, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am to be, you are to be setting patterns full of the fruit of the Spirit, ready for the Spirit of God to transform and lead people to Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility. What pattern am I following? What pattern am I displaying? And in our pattern resource, if you've been working through that with us this summer, we had two verses that jumped out at me. One I want to share with you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Would you say that with me this morning? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's an intentional statement. Whatever you're doing, where you're going, what you're about of, what you're about, what you're doing, what you're carrying, what presence, what pattern you're setting, you do it for one purpose, to glorify God. That does not happen by accident, does it? That's not a happenstance. That's not a wake up in the morning and I just happen to stumble into. No. Scripture says over and over and over that our purpose is to live our lives intentionally to glorify God. So today we want to talk about what does it mean to live intentionally? What does it mean to live for the purpose of living intentionally to glorify God? So living intentionally requires us to examine our hearts and our actions before we open our mouths. This is so important for me. This is so important for each of us. This is so important sitting at the counter um, at MJ's Soul Food in South Carolina or in your workplace or your family table later on today. Living intentionally requires us to examine our heart and our actions before we open our mouths. I love this quote from page 225 in our pattern book. It said, our lives serve as an opening paragraph to our gospel presentation. Our lives, what we say and our actions and how we live our lives in front of other people is the opening paragraph to the good news of Jesus Christ. So before you even open your mouth and share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus, share your story, the life that you're living is already spoke in the opening paragraph. Now, there's no way that I could have orchestrated um, this passage of Scripture that we're going to be jumping into. we got a lot of verses to cover this morning in Acts chapter 10. We're going to cover a large part of this chapter. Acts chapter 10 deals with an issue that we are in the midst of dealing with right now, prejudice, partiality, bias. But I want you to know something. We chose the pattern series and put it on the preaching calendar in March of this year. And the day five passage, this past Friday's passage, is Acts chapter 10. No way I could have gone, let's preach this passage in the middle of the summer at Rich Fork, having no idea what was going to be going on in our world. So I am so thankful that God aligned this for us. I really am. I'm so excited about this passage and how it can speak to us in the middle of of the chaos because if you think there's division now back up 2,000 years and there was a division it was between Jews and Gentiles and Jews and Gentiles were not friends they the Jews considered the Gentiles unclean there was no relationship there was no love lost between them they couldn't go in each other's houses they couldn't converse with each other they couldn't buy from one another total distance and distinction between the two groups in Acts chapter 10, we've got two main characters that we're going to see. We've got a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile Roman soldier. He's got a couple things going against him. He is Gentile, 
and he's a Roman soldier. Now, as a Gentile, those who were Jews, many of them, those who followed Christ at the beginning, were of Jewish descent, Jewish background. So these early Christians had reason in their history to oppose who Cornelius was. So Cornelius, he is a Gentile Roman soldier. He's also the leader of Roman soldiers. And they are occupying part of Israel. And so the Jewish people didn't like the Roman soldiers simply because where they were, how they were occupying, what they were doing to their people. So there were a lot of reasons why the guy Cornelius in our message this morning in Acts chapter 10, there's a lot of reasons for the Jewish people that we'll see in this message this morning have reason to oppose him. So we've got Cornelius, the Gentile Roman soldier. But we also have Peter, who is a Jew from history. He also has a rare distinction. He is also a Roman citizen, but he is a follower of Jesus Christ. He is the early voice of the church. He's the one who spoke and preached in the early part of Acts. He is the one that people are following. They're listening to his teaching as the apostles teach. And so now, Peter is going to be called to go into new territory. He's going to step into new territory and proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. He's going to proclaim to a group of people who he had personal reservations towards. We're going to hear that in a minute. And he would have to examine his heart, his heart, and his actions before he even opened his mouth. It's a huge challenge to us. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 through 8. God is orchestrating to bring these two together. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So what this speaks of is that even though he was Gentile, even though he's a Roman soldier, he had an affinity toward and was leaning towards and giving honor to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended to the memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those attending him. And having related everything to him, he sent them to Joppa. Cornelius is a man of prayer, a man of pursuit, a man of passion. But it was going to take an intentional movement of God in his life to prepare him. And he would know by the name Simon that what God was calling him to do was to get some of his fellas to go to the town 35 miles away and bring back a Jewish man into his home. This is a gigantic question mark here. Is he going to do this? So without question. He sends his men. But Peter, it tells us in this passage of Scripture, he's saying with a guy, his description, he's a tanner by the sea. All right? Tanner by the sea? That's what the guy named Simon Peter is saying with a guy named Simon. All right? A little confusing there. He's a tanner, which means in his home and in his business, tanner, the guy that he's staying with, Simon, he had dead animals, which for a Jewish man, Peter, of which is Jewish, he's already breaking some rules here. Some customs that have been around for thousands of years depicted in Numbers 19. So Peter's already hanging around an unclean guy. He's already staying at an unclean house. So Cornelius, the Gentile, is going to send his guys over to knock on the door of Peter 
and bring him back. But before Peter would be given the chance to open his mouth with the good news, his heart and his actions were going to speak volumes about Jesus Christ. Living intentionally is going to allow God to prepare us for what God is preparing for us. Make sure we get that. As we live intentionally, as we live with a desire to set a pattern in our lives, as God prepares us, he is also preparing what he wants us to be a part of. And this is happening with Cornelius and Peter. You're getting this whole story. God is equipping them. The next day, verse 9 says, as they were on their journey and approaching the city. So Cornelius' guys are coming into town. Peter went up to the household about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing for it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened up and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And you're going, what's the problem? I mean, reptiles, uh, animals, birds of the air. Peter is Jewish. I know we live in barbecue country, all right? This doesn't seem to be a problem for us. This is a problem for Peter. He's saying, God, I can't eat that stuff in this vision. I can't eat the things that you are saying for me to eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So the voice came to him again a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up once to heaven. So we got two guys. Cornelius the Gentile has a vision. Go send for Peter. Peter, while his guys are on the way, he has a vision from God. Four corners coming down. All this food set. Eat it. No way. Can't do it. Three times it happens, which is significant in Scripture. Three times it happens. He says, listen, Peter, what God has made clean, do not call common. What he's about to do is show Peter that at the foot of the cross, we are equal. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, there is no division. There is no cultural norm. There is no, they're better than you are. You're better than they are, Peter. It's not happening. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed at what the vision that he had seen might mean, let's give him a little credit there. He was inwardly perplexed, as you would be. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask Simon, who was called Peter, to see if he was lodging there. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And this is a whirlwind of a story that I'm giving you. Cornelius, Gentile, sends these guys. They're knocking on the door. At the same time, Peter's having the vision. God says, hey, go down. There's three guys at the front door. Invite them in. So Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for you coming? And they outline for us. It's on the screen in verse 22. They said, Cornelius, he's upright. He's God-fearing. He had a vision for us to come get you. And so Peter does something in verse 23 that begins to show us prejudice and bias and partiality are beginning to disdain, beginning to fall apart. Verse 23 says, so he invited him to be his guests. Uh, one of them was a Roman soldier, two of them were Gentiles, and he invites them in. Doesn't go and ask Tanner, Simon, right? He just invites them in and said, yeah, you can stay with us for the night. So the next day they rose up. Verse 24 says, and Peter took some of his fellows with him to accompany him. 
So you got the two Gentiles, you got the soldier, you've got Peter, you've got his boys following him. All right, they're going from Joppa to Caesarea. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. So just imagine this. Try to picture this in your head. You got Peter walking into town, his guys from Joppa with him, Cornelius' friends in front of him. He's going to Cornelius' house. Cornelius has gathered all of his family and friends in his house. A group of Gentiles, a group of Jewish people that had been introduced to Jesus Christ. In my mind, I've got this picture of West Side Story. Some of you know, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. I've got this picture in my mind of, of this about to happen, about to take place. Peter had already done the unthinkable. He had invited Cornelius' friends to come in the house. He was staying with a tanner by the sea. It, it, here he is, and he's on the threshold of this guy's doorstep. Simply stepping into his home would speak volumes. He didn't have to say a word. If he stepped into a Gentile man's home, it would speak volumes. Living intentionally to glorify God, remember our purpose to glorify God, will bring us to the threshold of our prejudices. Living intentionally to glorify God will bring us to the threshold of our prejudices. I prayed about so much about this morning in light of all what's taken place in our country, in our world, our state. And it's pretty obvious. There's a lot of prejudice. It's pretty obvious there's a lot of division. It's pretty obvious there's a lot of hatred. Some of that's based on, much of that's based on skin color. But let's, let's own up and realize that we all have some prejudice in our lives. It may not be towards a person of a different ethnicity. It may not be towards someone that we're seeing on the news. It may be someone of a different political sway. It may be someone who shops somewhere different, who grew up different than you, who dresses different. Their kids go to a different school than you. There's even prejudice that exists in the dear south of where people go to church. You go to Rich Fork? Oh, my goodness. Rich Fork, Rich Folk. <laughs> I can't believe you go to church there. See, I've heard that one, all right? Just a couple thousand times, all right, over the last 20 years. And see, that's, that's where prejudice begins to sneak in. That's where bias and partiality begins to sneak in. It comes in so many forms, but whatever form it comes in, it must be eradicated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has to be. There's no place in it. And here, God is setting for us a pattern 2,000 years ago, he's setting a pattern for Peter and the early church, for Cornelius and the Gentiles. He's setting a pattern for them, but he's also setting out a pattern to let us know something. This division that we're fighting right now, it's not new. And the only message that is going to speak into the middle of this prejudice, in the middle of this bias, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see it in just a minute. It's the only thing that's going to bring healing. It's the only thing that's going to bring unity at the foot of the cross. So let me confess, I have and will have seasons of prejudice in my life. I grew up in Charlotte, and I made some horrible, sinful comments about people that I went to school with because of their color of skin, because of where they grew up, because of they weren't in this kind of class. 
And some of those folks became really incredible friends. Even the Apostle Peter, being shown this in Acts chapter 10, is going to struggle again with this very same thing multiple times in the book of Acts. So just because he got it right here this one time after being prodded three times, just because he finally lived intentionally and got himself over to Cornelius' house doesn't mean he's never going to deal with it again. And the same is true for me and you. I was driving home from the beach last Saturday, and uh, we were coming up I-95, which they can take down the speed limit signs and just go with 95 to deal with both, okay? It is insane. That road is insane. And so at, at one point, I'm on, in the right-hand lane. I'm behind somebody, and they're, I, I'm talking in my mind because my whole family fell asleep. Isn't that how it happens at the end of vacation? You're driving, everybody else is asleep, and there's this person in front of me, and they are driving so incredibly slow. And, and I would say things in my head like this, they're going to get somebody killed. What an idiot. Then I see somebody driving past me, going 95 on 95, and I'll say, that person's a maniac. They're going to get somebody killed. I realize this. When I was in the right-hand lane yelling at the slow guy, I was the maniac fast guy. When I was the fast guy in the fast lane pointing out the slow guy, or if I was looking in the fast lane and I was in the slow lane and I'm driving slow, I'm looking at the fast guy at that point and I'm saying, that guy's going to get somebody killed. In each of those situations, I was justifying myself and my behaviors while I was pointing out the flaws of others. See, it was easy to say, man, they're going to get somebody killed, but when I was in that lane, it's their problem. And that's prejudice. That's bias. That's where partiality gets its roots. That's where it digs in, us saying, listen, I'll judge myself and justify my behaviors and my actions and my stance, but I'll point out the flaws of others. And this is where it gets rooted. And this is where it gets started. And if we're not careful then our minds and our hearts and our actions, they make opening statements about the good news of Jesus Christ before we even get a chance to open our mouths. If you've ever watched court TV, you know how bad it really is in representation of what really happens in court. Because in court TV, I mean, the opening statements are like 10 minutes long. And the lawyer just, oh, you, you get to the end of it, you're like, yeah, whatever he said, I'll go with what they said. Your lives and my life and my actions, before I even get a chance to open my mouth at times, are opening the door, are closing the ears of those who are around me to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ before I speak a word. I'm speaking the opening paragraph. Peter is now standing on the doorstep. He's right there with his guys. The Gentiles are out on the inside. They're hanging out. They want to see what he's got to say. But Peter, Scripture tells us in verse 25, it says, When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and did what? And worshipped him. They fell down. Peter gets to the door. They get down on, on their face. And Peter says, Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in, he found many persons gathered, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is. I mean, he's speaking right to this. How bold is this? 
For you know it's unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit with someone from another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why did you send for me? Cornelius says, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house. At the ninth hour, behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging at the home of Simon a Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here. We are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Standing at the doorstep. On the threshold of his prejudice, he's standing there. But he's already spoken volumes because he's already there. He's already spoken volumes because he allowed the Gentile guys to spend the night with him, come back the next day. Peter's already spoken. He's living intentionally to glorify God, and he's standing there on the edge of the threshold. This guy's at his feet, and he says, man, I'm just a guy. What'd you call me here for? He explains, and I love the beginning of this next verse. So Peter opened his mouth. So Peter opened his mouth. But see, the ears of the people were already attentive to what he had to say because of his actions that got him to the doorstep, that got him to the threshold, that brought him in their presence. Before he even opened his mouth, they were already attentive. Scripture says they were attentive to hear the message that the Lord had given to him to share. Our lives serve as the opening paragraph to our gospel presentation. The people were there. Their hearts are ready. So here's what he says. I'm going to read through this quickly, but it's so incredibly powerful. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened. So he's repeating their history. He's letting them know, kind of repeating what he thinks they would know. He's laying the foundation. He says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He didn't sugarcoat it, did he? He didn't dance around it. I mean, he's now inside the house, and he's opening up his mouth. He's got his fellows with us. He's got the Gentile family with him. He says, why are we here? I got a message for you, so I'm going to open my mouth. He is confessing to them, God has called me to set a pattern of preaching and of teaching the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to tell you that he died upon a tree, that he was buried, that on the third day he rose again. I'm here to tell you that for those who confess their sins and trust in him, he is faithful to forgive you. This is Peter's message. 
and he's making it to people that several days before he thought, no way. I'm not going to their house. I'm not stepping in to their living room. Living intentionally can open the ears of those who need to hear the good news of Jesus. Please hear me, today's not a political message. Today's a gospel message that sets a pattern for us to influence others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And living intentionally can open the ears of those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. God was preparing Peter for the moment, but he was also preparing the people for the moment. God was working on both lines of this. So verse 44 says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard, and the believers from among the circumcised, the Gentiles, the unclean, had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had poured out even, even on, say that with me, even on the Gentiles. Even on them. The people that the Jewish believers would have said, no way. And the gospel and the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Living intentionally to glorify God puts our lives on the doorsteps of those in need of Jesus. And it might be that at times it puts us on the doorstep, on the threshold of someone's home or someone's life that we say, I'm not comfortable here. I didn't grow up here. I, didn't, I don't know their habits. I don't know their changes and their differences of their culture. I don't know. But there's going to be times in our lives if we promise and we faithfully desire to live intentionally to glorify God, there's going to be moments where he takes us to the doorstep and asks us to step in and then open our mouths. But so much of the conversation is going to happen before you step in the room. So much of the conversation, the preparing of their hearts is going to take place before we step into those conversations. Are we willing to follow this pattern? This is a pattern set by God through Jesus Christ, through the apostles, through Peter, through Cornelius, through the church. He's setting this pattern right before us. Are we ready to be led by the word of God and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and our actions so that when we open our mouths, the good news of Jesus Christ can be clearly communicated? The early church set a pattern for us. And it can transform communities. It transformed a culture. It caused great confusion, great difficulties, but also people looking on saying, what is going on with these folks? They're crossing lines that shouldn't be crossed. They're loving people that shouldn't be loved. They're, they're corresponding with people. They're examining their prejudice. They're examining their bias. They're examining their partiality. Are we willing to follow this pattern by the church? As we take time to respond this morning, may we be challenged by Peter's response, Cornelius' response, to God's calling so that when we do open our mouths to tell the good news of Jesus, We've begun to pave the way. We've open, made opening statements with our hearts and our actions before those that we speak to.
Let's pray this morning.